with a shot. It's now 2018 and you're listening to Who Kicked the Corner Flag, our Premier League game show podcast. I'm your host, James Rose, and I'm with the chairman of the Kansas City Spurs fan group, the man who has a weakness for 7-7 and and who celebrated the new year a minute early thanks to his slowed down iPhone. It's Gerard Bustamante. There, bud. I am here. How are you, sir? I'm great. I am good. And to my virtual right, he's the chairman of the Arsenal KC fan group who can tell the difference between a Muller light and a Bud light and who believes the Chamber of Secrets is the return of the Jedi of the Harry Potter octology. It's Boyce Richardson. You there, bud? I am indeed, sir. How are you in 2018? I am just great. Uh, Right, let's once again kick off things by revealing the answer to... This week's Twitter trivia question. The question was, which six clubs have played in the Premier League in every season since its inception? Uh, Either of you want to have a go at this? Uh, Arsenal is one. Yep, Arsenal's definitely in there. Yep. United. Oh, I heard United, and that's in there. Yep, that's two. Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham's three. Yep, we've got three left. (laughs) Liverpool. Yep, that's four. Two to go. Everton. Everton is five. Yep. Stoke. <laughs> Oldest club, but no, not Stoke. We're missing nope. an obvious one. <laughs> I'm just going to guess that Stoke is just going to be always the answer. Chelsea. Chelsea. There it is. Yes, Chelsea uh, is the sixth club. Yep. So those six clubs have, believe it or not, been around for the whole time. Everton might end up falling apart from this season. Who knows? But anyway, time will tell. But yep, they are the six clubs. <laughs> Uh, right, we are kicking off as usual with the top four, the game where our contestants try to figure out which stories and games were the most discussed. Jared, you're going to start us off this week, and we are including all the fixtures from Wednesday right up until this moment, this recording, which of course is Monday afternoon. So a little bit of a clue, maybe, maybe not. Uh, so Jared, what do you think? What made the top four? Oh, let's see. I'm going to do a little strategy here, because I'm going to be selfish. Um... I'm going to talk about Palace uh, making all of us cringe and failing to beat City by converting a late post 90 minute penalty. That would be correct. And that actually stole the number one spot uh, this time around. So, congratulations. That does get you the four points. Yes, Man City's 18 match winning streak finally comes to an end with their somewhat demise at. Crystal Palace, Selhurst Park, tying the game 0-0. Um, did we finally see a weakness in this Man City team that other teams can now exploit moving forward? Or was it just a very minor bump in the road? What do we think, Jared? I'm thinking maybe a bump in the road. I don't know. Uh, I think they played the right team at the right time. Eagles have kind of gotten their house in order a little bit. Um, and uh, if you go back and look, I mean, there were there were times where that back line for City did not look good. Andrus Townsend, a uh, former uh, of Spurs lore, mm. uh, flubbed a uh, a wide open, uh, a ball that I, I think everyone, including him, was surprised it got to him. I think it is a, uh, a little bit of bump of the road that, frankly, uh, all teams go through, which just we're talking about it now because you had 
as you noted, 18 matches in a row. But uh, uh, good, good grief. Can they not be any more fortunate? Yes, the the moment in question was, of course, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, but Luka Miljojevic. Again, I can't pronounce it. Miljojevic, there we go. Um, His, uh, I want to say decisive penalty miss, but everyone, including, um, well, not including City fans, perhaps, but everyone was just screaming at their TVs, hoping that would go in, and it didn't. Um, So, boys, let's swing it to you then. Um, A little bit on that City game, but first, Palace... Now with only one loss in their last 10 games, but drawing more than they're winning. So despite that penalty miss, should they have perhaps won the game? Or is that a little bit too much to ask of them? (laughs) I mean, Crystal Palace is never going to get a more guilt-edged opportunity than a post-90th minute penalty opportunity against Manchester City at home to win. Mm. I I thought it was a little bit confusing that... uh, Milivojevic was the individual individual that was selected to take that penalty kick in the first place. I, you know, it was, this was one of those fixtures that I think most of us probably just thought could go on without even really necessarily needing to be played. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably part of the glory of the premiership that again, we're talking about a nil nil draw. Uh, I think in the end palace at least appeared to have righted the ship. I think it's going to be difficult this season to say that any team is immune from relegation talk when you're looking at a six-point difference between 20th place and 13th place. Mm. And it only goes, you know, 12th place is seven points. So we're talking about two or three fixtures that will determine the rest of the season for these teams. Mm. And uh, Palace has at least got their their work cut out for them. It's just Mm -hmm. shocking to not see Christian Benteke, Zaha or Townsend take a potentially game winning penalty kick against Manchester city. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as an Arsenal fan, ultimately even more frustrating because it would have been nice to put this potential secondary invincibles nonsense to bed. (laughs) Yeah. I suppose I didn't think of it from that angle. Yes. But, uh, either way, it makes it somewhat frustrating still again for non city fans that they are still, undefeated in quite a run but i guess we shall see right boys uh, we're over to you we have second third and fourth spot still to guess so what do you think well we were talking about this before we started recording and to jared's sort of selfish front i'm going to take the selfish opportunity to uh get my shots in against mike dean and <laughs> say that arsenal drawing with mike dean's 89th minute <laughs> penalty kick is on the list you would be correct and it did sneak in i want to say last minute it did sneak into the list it is number three so it gets you two points um and there's actually two parts of this conversation uh, one being yes the mike dean very controversial penalty in the 88th 89th minute that uh, gave West Brom the opportunity to tie it, and which they did. Um, but actually, also on this, we're actually talking about Arsene Wenger broke a managerial record. Uh, he's now managed 811 Premier League matches, surpassing Alex Ferguson and his Man United reign. Um, so, well, let's start first of all, since I can tell it's on the mind of boys, uh, with that decision and I guess Arsenal's performance in this game. Give us a breakdown. What do you think? 
Well, first and foremost, let me at least acknowledge that uh, Arsenal played terribly the entire match. Uh, we never do well at the Hawthorns, and yesterday was really no exception. It looked, for all the world, for the first 80 minutes of that match, like Arsenal were going to take one point from a nil-nil draw. Mm-hmm. Now, the Alexis Sanchez free kick that turned into an own goal, you know, Arsenal rarely, if ever, are awarded such fortune in matches. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Mike Dean was conscious oh, of that. My. God, which <laughs> just the absolute worst penalty kick I award I've seen maybe in the history of the premiership. I from the FA's rules for handballs in the box, it literally fails all three counts, and it sent Peter Check, the most civilized man in all of the premiership, into hysterics, which he rightfully. He rightfully was. The idea that when he confronted Mike Dean about just how big of a travesty that penalty kick was, Mike Dean didn't talk to him and gave him a yellow card is just even more ridiculous. But I just, I've watched that award probably 10 times now, and I'm still remiss to determine what Callum Chambers was supposed to do. Mm. When the ball goes out of bounds, Kieran Gibbs asks for a corner kick. Not that Kieran Gibbs was ever, you know, the left back that always sort of complained about things, but he didn't even think it was a penalty himself. He didn't even think it was worth trying to argue for. And Mike is staring directly at it. And then I don't know if you guys saw there is a video circulating where Arsene Wenger is just absolutely excoriating him on the sidelines. And Mike Dean appears to say, I'm sorry, four or five times in a row. Hmm. And the reality of the situation is he should damn well be sorry, but... I think with the results coming down the way that they have this weekend, that it demonstrates that that might be the final knife in Arsenal's top four hopes, which were already minimal. Mm, that was, I mean, as a as an Arsenal fan, it does bring a slight chuckle seeing decisions like that. But it is cruel because I think everyone, and even some of the pundits too that I've been following on Twitter, have said there was no way in hell that was. That was a penalty. He just didn't have time, Callan Chambers, to get his to get his arms out of the way. I mean, it's just like a, you know, how much time would you allow for that? You know, it's just anyway. Um, Jared, let me swing it to you. Um, I'm assuming you're in the same boat with the decision, but um, anything else to mention about that game in particular? I'm actually not in the same boat in the decision. Oh. I'll be the uh, I'll I'll be the voice of reason here. Okay. Uh, the first of all. I was trying to think about this in a way of comparing it to the decision against Southampton, or I guess non-decision, uh, and and United. One of the criticisms that uh, Arsene Wenger, in his bizarre rambling about referees not being professionals and not refereeing enough matches, it was confusing to me. He says that there's no way that he could have seen it. And if you look at the tape, Mike Dean immediately, as soon as he calls it, Kieran Gibbs didn't have to argue with it because it was called immediately, and he puts his arm out like a chicken wing. And that's what happens. When I was a player, and I was a winger, cutting inside, every defender always had their hands down at their side or behind their back. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, was it ball to hand or was it hand to ball? You can make the argument that... He raised his arm up. You can make the argument. That's what the, you know, even, you know, Robbie Mustard, who is so cynical about it, even admits, well, okay, things look worse in slow motion. Because when he looked at it, he said, well, okay. Now, 
largely everyone saying it was a poor decision to get it, you know, and these are people that get, you know, get paid to talk about these things and have played at a much higher level than I did. So I'll take their, uh, uh, I'll, I'll take their point of view. But this notion that, first of all, uh, Mike D doesn't have to talk to anybody. Uh, so whether it's Deli Ali or Petr Cech, uh, he doesn't have to talk to anybody. He doesn't owe you an explanation for anything. And as for the, I saw the, you know, the apology discussion that Voice was talking about. I would love to know what they were talking about. Mm. Like truly, uh, yeah. I, I want that. I want that in a book. I want it now. <laughs> well, it certainly makes for a very interesting talking point. Uh, but we must move on to the next two topics in this section. So, Jared, we're going to swing back to you. Uh, we have second and fourth spot still left. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, United Southampton, kind of what we were talking about before, and the uh, no-call handball that uh, Josie Mourinho was apoplectic over. Um, that didn't actually make the top four this week. No, unfortunately not. Uh, so, boys, we're going to swing back to you. What do you think? Oh, man, I had two in mind. So let's go with uh, Liverpool sneaking out two two one victories. Oh, you know what? I'm not gonna give you that. Um, but as a clue, perhaps to Jared, you're on the right lines with the team. And another clue, perhaps too, it might not necessarily be score or game specific. So Jared, we'll swing back to you. What do you think? The continued demise of Stoke. Damn, not a, also not on the list. Um, I'll give you this next one, and then I'll leave it up to you guys to try and guess the last one. Uh, so second spot was Van Dyke's transfer to Liverpool for £75 million, which equals $100 million, thus breaking a world record transfer fee for the most expensive defender. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, so question, uh, I'll throw this to Jared first of all. Do you think he was worth that kind of money? And, I mean, it's almost, I want to say, the proof that we don't really know much about him and he hasn't been talked about you know, for a long period of time. So was it a good deal done? I think Dick Van Dyke had a great show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, one of the things uh, that I was reading was for that, uh, Spurs signed uh, Toby Alderweireld, uh, Jan Vertonghen and Davinson Sanchez for like a combined $24 million. Mm. Uh, now, that's probably a little unfair because those players could have been huge busts uh, and then we're just not talking about it. So I think that's a little bit unfair comparison, but it does kind of illuminate, man, for a defender. Mm. Uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, that was a bigger uh, than the transfer of, uh, of John Stones uh, uh, to City, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, so I will see. But good Lord, I mean, Liverpool, they need the help. Uh, they, uh, if they were going to spend money, they needed to spend it on defense. Uh, they, they have been the – that Liverpool defense has been the, the whipping boy of this podcast uh, uh, all season. Mm. Uh, so you can't argue with where they spent the money. I guess we'll just have to wait and see if it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Boyce, any, any comments or thoughts on, uh, thoughts on that transfer? I think to echo Jared's sentiment, it, this is just a it's a byproduct of the new world order when it comes to transfers. I think I, I don't know if you guys saw, but it appears that Nike prematurely released news of uh, Coutinho's transfer to Barcelona this morning. Yes, I saw uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> not sure whether or not that's going to end up being a reality, but I find that it it's pretty interesting. I mean, you'd have to imagine that Barcelona will probably have had to pay 110, 120 million for Coutinho at this point, and. Mm-hmm. In reality, you look at it, 
Liverpool will have gotten Virgil van Dijk, uh, a cog that they desperately needed in defense, as well as Mo Salah for what they're going to sell Coutinho for. Mm. And if that's the new reality and that's the player that you need, I think the the primary criticism that should be leveled at Liverpool at this point is that this should have been done in August. Liverpool's bigger problem is that they could have used him in defense and would probably be even higher up the table. Obviously, they're not going to compete with Manchester City this year. No one is. But I think the reality here is that this should have been done earlier. And at least with the financial situation being the way that it is, it looks like a good bit of business in the Mm. event that he shores up their back line even a little bit mm-hmm. yeah i guess i'm very anxious to see when he finally gets in the team how he how he performs right off the bat but uh, it just seems kind of crazy to me that you know maybe three or four however many years ago it was that we were all talking about gareth bale going for you know 90 million and that being a huge sum of money and of course since then we've had neymar we've had obviously now van dyke going for a little bit under that it just seems like it's almost getting out of control um, but you're right. I think maybe it's, it is a, a change in the time. Be careful. You keep talking like that. You're going to start to sound too much like Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, so I'll give this last shot for you. Uh, we've still got fourth spot to guess. Uh, and again, it's kind of a tricky one. It is match-related. I'll throw that clue out there. Um, so what do you think? So Jared Sook's joke, which I legitimately thought was going to be something that was on... Uh, the potential list of opportunities. Mm-hmm. We might have talked a little bit about them last week. Uh, they've kind of snuck in again, this club. They're on the lower side of the table. I know I shouldn't be giving clues, but I'll help Jared uh, out in well, the next one. <laughs> point, Jared and I have demonstrated that we're barely capable of functioning today. So I think the <laughs> it, is, it, it, probably, it is New Year's uh, Day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're somewhat recovery <laughs> mode. <laughs> Leicester City. Leicester City is incorrect. I'll throw this last one out. It was Watford versus Swansea City. Oh, <laughs> one to... I was going to say Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, one to two. Two late goals from the Swans. Uh, their Portuguese boss, Carlos Carvajal, just pronounced that one, uh, got his first win. Uh, I guess the question about this one is, we talk about new managers coming into the Premier League, obviously midway through a season, and somehow they managed to find that magic formula to really transform a team. We saw it with... Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson and, and somehow he's managed to get him you know obviously with a win now was it a lucky win though or do we see Swansea now clawing their way out of the relegation zone and potentially sticking around next year uh, that question we'll throw to uh, throw to Boyce so I think it's more luck than anything else obviously there's a little bit of positivity associated with the transition and management especially when the results have been as poor as they've been for Swansea this season but you're looking at a team where your goals were scored by Jordan Ayu and Luciano Narsing, and the starting 11 is just uh, a who's who list of people that I've never even seen before in the Premier League other than Lucas Fabianski. I, I think there's really just not enough talent on this Swansea team for them to be able to survive in a situation where, you know, they're at 16 points right now. Strangely enough, they're only three points out of securing their spot in the Premier League, but I just don't see that many more wins for them throughout the rest of the campaign. There's just not, there's lacking on the defensive end, and then there's just not a lot of offensive talent that's going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net enough times to be able to get them past what is a murderer's row of an early schedule. I know that they have Tottenham on Thursday and I would imagine Jared's probably licking his lips at this point because it, it can still very well be five or six to nil mm-hmm. yeah Jared what do you what do you think of Swansea at this point you think they're still in that relegation fight somewhat you know to kind of 
what Boyce was saying earlier about it's kind of a race to the bottom. Um, to say they have as good a chance as any, I, I, I think that's overstating it. Watford playing well this season. Uh, one of the better starts for Watford in a uh, Premier League season. But uh, what Boyce was saying, you look at their schedule coming up. Their next four are Spurs, Newcastle, mm. Liverpool, and Arsenal. Um, if they can pull some, you know, a if uh, the new manager Carvalho can put a, a pull a rabbit out of a hat for uh, you know two of those matches, and I think we're having a different conversation. But mm. um, you know, I think there's always that boost to the change of you know change of management. You know, we've seen it with Sam Allardyce, who's now has his own troubles uh, at Everton uh, with two losses in a row. So I don't know. Um, it'll it'll really depend on uh, whether or not uh, Stoke and uh, you know West Ham if they continue to falter, then I suppose there's a chance. Well, let's swiftly move on then to our next game, which is a brand new game. Hold your excitement, guys. This one I like to call Transfer United. Get it? Transfer? Anyway. Uh, Now, in the spirit of the transfer window opening, this game is going to basically be like a guessing game with numbers, okay? So here's how it works. Uh, There's going to be three questions based on the history of a player's transfer value, right? So how much they cost. So kind of like the price is right, each of you are going to guess an amount to how much this certain player cost, and the closest guess will take the points. Does that kind of make sense to you guys? I think so. I think so, right. So we'll start off with number one. Uh, It's going to be Gabriel Jesus, 20-year-old Brazilian striker who moved to Manchester City from a Brazilian club. Again, I can't pronounce. How much do we think he cost? We'll start with Boyce. What do you think? Oh, this is in dollars, by the way. The answers are all going to be in dollars. I have to mentally convert what I think he probably cost. Uh, <laughs> the exchange rate is 1.5. If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 110 million. 110, 110 okay. Um, Jared, what do you think? Uh, I will go... I'm not sure he cost 100. I'll go uh, 90. 90 million. Uh, both too high, but Jared does take the points because you were closer. The actual answer is forty-eight million. He only costs forty-eight million in terms of transfer oh, fee. Yeah, you would think it'd be a little bit more as uh, as you think, but uh, so nice work, Jared. You take the points there. Uh, the next one, Alexis Sanchez, who of course moved from Barcelona to Arsenal. What was his reported transfer fee? Again, in dollars. Uh, Jared, you get to start this one. Oh God! I'm just—I just know I'm going to lose this. I'm sure Boyce has this like tattooed on himself somewhere. Um, Eighty million. Eighty million. All right, uh, Boyce, what do you think? This is difficult because I think Jared's actually pretty close. I, if I remember correctly, when he transferred to Arsenal, it was about forty some odd million pounds, uh, and his transfer to Barcelona probably wasn't that much. So I am going to just price his ride strategy, Jared, and go with uh, seventy nine million. Boyce takes it. Yep, the correct answer. And you were right on the money with the pounds, so maybe we should convert it back to that. Uh, the answer is fifty-seven million dollars, which is forty million pounds. Um, but anyway, you get the points, so we'll take that. So good work on that one. Uh, player three of four. I'm going to throw in a bonus one. Uh, player three is Raheem Sterling, who moved from Liverpool to Manchester City. What was his transfer fee with add-ons? And boys, you get to start the guessing here. I remember correctly. I feel like his transfer from Liverpool to City was about eighty-five million pounds. Okay. Uh, 
I have no idea where he came from prior to Liverpool or if he grew up in the academy. So I'll go with whatever the exchange rate is from pounds to dollars on 85 million pounds. Pounds, right. Okay. Uh, Jared, what do you think? Well, I'm going to price this right, roll of boys, then. 84 million pounds, whatever that exchange is. <laughs> it's just gonna how it's going to be, isn't it? Uh, Jared, yes, you are closer. You guys are aiming high. Um, the answer was only 56 million pounds, which translates to $84 million, was his final uh, transfer fee with Adams. Oh, that's what I meant, $84 million. Oh, right, you say right that now, money. yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you still get the points, so... Uh, uh, good win there. Right, last one on this category, then we'll move on, is uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Now, obviously, he has moved around a lot. So, specifically, we are looking for his most recent move, which was to Everton. How much did Everton pay for Gilfie Sigurdsson, Jared? £30 million. Pounds, okay. Pounds, all right. Boyce? Higher than £30 million. Pounds. <laughs> <laughs> 30, 30, £31 million. Pounds. I swear i remember his transfer being something around the, the neighborhood of about 50 million pounds actually uh boyce would take this one yes it was 44.46 million pounds which translates to 66 million dollars so boyce gets the point for that and that concludes transfer united uh, right for our final game, we're going to play a round of player profile. This is the same game where I list five stats of a current Premier League player, each one easier than the last. Uh, first person to shout in and correctly guess said, point, uh, said player wins the points. Uh, last week, I noticed that Boyce said his name, but I also didn't catch it. So if you say it, just keep saying it repeatedly until it eventually comes through on Skype. <laughs> and, uh, be sure to flag it off. Anyway, um, that's quite the advertisement for our website host. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We like delays. Um, all right, so here, here we go then. Our first player is an English striker. Started his career at Everton in 2002. Jared. Yes, Jared. Uh, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney is absolutely correct. Yes, the reverse bear trap from last week. Uh, that will give you the two points, and we'll swiftly move on to the next player, who is a right back. A Spanish international. Despite his 109 appearances, has only scored four times for his current club. Jared. Oh, Jared just got in there ahead of time. What is it, Jared? Ander uh, Herrera. Ander Herrera is incorrect, and that freezes you out. Boyce, your last two clues for you. Currently plays for Arsenal, and his first name is Hector. I believe that would be Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin is absolutely correct. Yes, and that gives you the points. Would you have known it before those two clues? I actually would have gotten it wrong, but I'll take the points. Ah, what was your guess? <laughs> I was going to go with uh, Aspilicueta, actually. Ah, interesting. Well, hell, you got you got the got the bonus there. Uh, right, the third player is a goalkeeper. Spent six years at his former club. An English player. Used to play for Sunderland. Now plays for Everton. Jared. Yes, Jared. Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford is absolutely right. Yes, that gets you the two points. Two players remaining, and here is the next one. Uh, he plays for Spurs. He is a defender. Has been loaned to Watford and Sunderland during his career. Scored in his first ever North London derby. I think I heard something. Jared. Was it Jared? Okay, Jared, go for it. Danny Rose. Danny Rose. 
That is the correct answer. That gets you the two points. Um, and here's and a some... hell of a goal, by the way, for that North London derby. I think even Boyce will admit that. It was quite a screamer. It was, it was indeed. And I fortunately was not in attendance at that match, so I didn't have to see it in person. <laughs> Oh, with those hideous hideous kits that they wore back then oh, oh god rebels uh we got one player left this last one uh, this is a tricky one uh this last one is norwegian is a striker currently plays for bournemouth wears the number 17 shirt last name suggests royalty norwegian uh, oh, Jared. Uh, Boyce. Oh, <laughs> I think Boyce got in there like a second sooner. So, Boyce, what do you think? Uh, Josh King. Josh King is absolutely correct. Yes. Norwegian? Really? Uh, yeah, I thought he was British. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea other than the fact that his last name is King, and that was the only thing I remembered. That was the only thing. Royalty, royalty, yeah, King. Um, anyway, yes. Um, but that's the game, and the points... From the end of all of those, it looks like Jared has 14 points. Boyce has nine. So Jared takes the win this week. And any victory words, Jared? I'm just happy to snap Boyce's winning streak. Gracious. <laughs> Palace, take notes. <laughs> Palace, take notes. Uh, nice. Yep, that now puts the series at five to three. So we still got a lot to play for. But that's all we have time for today. So big thanks to Jared Bustamante and Boyce Richardson. And be sure to check out our brand new Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash kick corner flag. And as always, our Twitter page at kick corner flag for football analysis, countries, gifs, whatever they're called. Uh, any final words, boys? Uh, I hope Mike Dean really enjoyed me being angry at him <laughs> you plus uh, billions of other Arsenal fans uh, and Jared <laughs> happy new year Mike Dean and <laughs> you stay safe buddy you stay safe anyway uh, thanks so much for listening guys take it easy have a good week and bye bye <laughs>